Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Adulting. This week we have something a little new for you and different. We're doing a swap. It's Thanksgiving. Harlan is traveling. I've got to make some rolls for my Thanksgiving dinner. We are bringing you something a little special. I work on another podcast called the Money Tree Investing Podcast. And this week we are bringing you something from the Money Tree Podcast. It is an episode on how to manage your money like a millionaire with Joe Saul Sehi from Stacky Benjamins and the rest of the Money Tree Investing Podcast crew. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope that you are enjoying a great Thanksgiving holiday and we hope to catch you next week. And remember, until then, behave like a grown-up. Thanks for all of our listeners for joining us today. And today we're going to do something a little bit different because Joe is here. He is releasing a course through Stacking Benjamins. And part of it has to do with millionaires and the things that they do to become millionaires. And it's stuff that you might not normally think about. Isn't that right, Joe? Yeah. And here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to talk a lot about the course. If people want the course, we'll talk to them about that at the end. But what I want to do, like we try to do on our show all the time, is talk about some of the big stuff here. And it's funny how people think about their money, Miranda. So when I was a financial planner, if I had somebody in my office, just to kind of pull back the curtain, because a lot of people listening have never been to a financial planner's office. If somebody was struggling with cash flow, we'd talk about that. But if somebody had a really high net worth, I wouldn't even think about cash flow, right? So I had these people in my office, Gail and Bruce, great people, ended up working with me for a long time. I figured out with them that they could actually be financial independent way earlier than they thought. They could quit their jobs earlier than they thought, and things were going really well. So they paid me money to figure that out for them. I helped them figure it out. We moved around assets to figure that out, and we get done with the meeting, and I'm kind of high-fiving myself because <laughs> I, think, I think I've done this phenomenal job. And I said, uh, so what do you think? How was this meeting? And Bruce kind of looks down because Bruce is that guy that avoids confrontation. And Gail looks at me and goes, we didn't do anything I expected to do. And I went, really? What are you talking about? Like, you should, you should be high-fiving me as hard as I'm high-fiving myself. What's, what's up? And she said, well, I thought that you were going to go through our budget and take a look at like all the places we're wasting money. Now, the analytical me said, well, that's silly because if you could spend the money you're spending now, who cares? But what I found during that meeting and my big aha during that meeting was the difference between people with a lot of money and people with a little money is that people with a lot of money spend a lot of cash on things that are important to them. And by the way, this doesn't seem like rocket science or brain surgery, right? This seems pretty straightforward, but they spend a lot of money on things that are important to them and they spend almost nothing on things that aren't important to them. And so I started with my high net worth clients then helping them go through their budget like I did people that went light item by line item and helping them figure out like what are some ways that they can save money on those things that are stupid, things where they shouldn't be spending money, and then how they capture that cash. That is what I hope we talk about today. Yeah, I think that's really important because as you know, um, over the years, I have developed kind of a, an approach to my own finances that's very similar. The thing where I like to be very clear on my priorities, my values, 
what I want to accomplish in my life and then looking at money as the tool to help me accomplish those things or to help me live the lifestyle I want. There are things that I just won't spend money on and, and I think it seems cheap, right? Right. But the reality is, is that there are also things that I am willing to spend more money on. Like you say, it is all about what's important to you, what matters to you, what is going to help you live that lifestyle you want, reach your goals, do what it is you want to do. And rather than thinking of money as the solution to your problems or the end itself, you want to think of money as the means to the end. Absolutely. Yeah. You and I just got back from a big financial conference called FinCon. And I remember it was either last year or a couple of years ago, a a mutual friend of ours slept in his car at FinCon, right? And I also know people that never go out to dinner with all of the people that are there. They instead take extra food from the meals that are paid for by FinCon and they eat those in their hotel room. And I think I would rather spend a lot more money at this conference and network with people and learn more at that conference and even stay at the hotel, you know, the the expensive hotel where these things are held. And not just because it's better networking, but also because it's part of the experience that I enjoy. I want to stay up till 3 a.m. talking about my business with people and then just have to hit the button on the elevator. I can't imagine, you know, being frugal in the areas of my life like this big conference and, uh, you know, spending half of it scrounging in my room. And that doesn't make it bad for everybody. It's just for me, I prioritize these different things. That's step one, Miranda. You know what step two is? is when you find this money in your budget that, and this is another thing I think that somebody who's really wealthy told me once, I asked him about like discipline and having more discipline with his money. And he said, it's not about discipline. It's about being just smart enough and listening enough to realize when I did something really cool and then stopping, like stop everything right then and find a way to replicate that thing and automate it. So I'll give you an example of this. I was meeting with a car insurance agent once and and he said, you know, on your birthday every year, you should check the price of your, you should just get quotes on your car insurance. It takes just a few minutes. You can do it online a lot of the time because different companies emphasize people that are different ages. Like, and I'll just throw these out there and I don't know who's, who's, you know, who's emphasized what, but let's say that Allstate likes people from 26 to 29 and you turn 30. And they'll say Geico likes people 30 to 35. Well, you might turn 30 and your car insurance cost goes way up because Allstate doesn't like you anymore. And most people just pay more. They're like, oh, I had a birthday. Okay. I'm a year older. I'm just going to pay more for that insurance. Where on the other side, if I actually run quotes on my birthday, then I find that money again. So not only is it easy, it's like riding a bike, figuring out how to read your car insurance so that you can figure out like which coverages you want, and which ones you don't want. But it also is a system now of mine that I don't do it on my birthday because I'm too busy partying the fact that I'm an old man. Instead, I do it the day after my birthday. I always run quotes on my insurance. And it's amazing how often I found that another company gives me a much better rate and I save a bunch of money in 15 minutes worth of work. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. I mean, you know, I don't mind paying a little extra money for some things. You know, if it's worth it to me, if it's an investment, I can see if it's something that's going to, you know, help me in the long run. But, you know, things like, like you said, the car insurance or, you know, take that time to, you know, quickly go through your subscriptions or right. is there something that you, that, that you're paying for that you shouldn't be or, or whatever it is and finding those things to put you on automatic. I mean, you know, a few years ago, 
I finally refinanced. I mean, I don't have a house anymore. But um, when I did have a house, I finally refinanced it. And that big thing, that one thing, that saved me almost 400 bucks a month. Right. And that's something that saves you every single month. And so there are a few things like that where, you know, why are you paying these extra things? And what could you be using that money for? You could be using that money to invest in your future. Well, let me give people an example here of wealthy people versus non-wealthy people. A non-wealthy person might stumble upon what you did doing the refinance. And what I'll find is, is that they will save the 400 bucks like you did, but then they don't capture the 400 bucks, right? They don't take the time to make sure that 400 bucks then automatically gets saved by adjusting their direct deposit, you know, through work or adjusting their automatic savings into a separate account versus their checking account. A lot of people just, hey, they find the, the extra money, they have $400 more in their checking account, and then all of a sudden it's gone because lifestyle creep came in. And, and lifestyle creep is fine if you want that, but I feel like my wealthiest clients when I was a planner, they had a pulse on it, and if they wanted to spend that $400, they would, but damn it, if they wanted to save it, they would find a way to get it out of their hands. And I'll give people an example. You talked about subscriptions. So I use this app called Clarity Money, which I really like. And by the way, I'm not affiliated with any of these people, but I really like Clarity Money. Cheryl and I use it a ton for our discussions about money and our budgeting. Clarity Money shows me all of my subscriptions and it will say, do you want to cancel any of these? And it also has a little area of it where it will identify areas of my life where I might be able to save some money that I didn't think that I could save money. So I thought that I had the cheapest subscription for my cable bill. It turns out that my cable company has a promotion going on right now, and they were able to lower my cable bill. I don't want to cut my cable yet for a variety of reasons. I'm just about there, but that's a way you can save money. But for me, they saved me a bunch of money on cutting my cable bill. If I end there, I made a mistake. Instead, what I did was I opened up a second app, which is called Rise, R-I-Z-E. Using Rise, I set up an automatic savings I'd already done this before, but I added the amount of that cable bill savings into my Rise account. So now the money that I save, I actually captured. I don't spend it on something else. I no longer spend on cable. Now it's going into my pocket. So by using Clarity Money and Rise together, I was able to, number one, identify subscription that I was too expensive. And then number two is I was able to capture it and not have it just go into my checking account. Yeah, and that's a really good thing. And I, I mean, I used to use Digit in the past to like capture some of those things. No, I don't. I since they start charging a fee, but um, but you know what's funny about that fee? The fee is still not bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, just as an aside, I was in a great group chat, one of these close Facebook groups that places have, and this woman said, "You know, I pay three dollars a month for Digit, but Digit helped me save for a sofa, and in I think it was six months, I saved for a sofa." And she said, but I'm wondering if I should have paid that fee. And my feeling, Miranda, was if the $3 a month, so three times six months is $18. If it cost you $18 to do something you wouldn't have done on your own, like say for that sofa, there's no reason to discontinue it. But if without paying the $18 fee, you would have done it anyway, well, then definitely it's $18 you should spend on something else. Yeah. And that's a really good point as well. I actually started uh, trying out Wise Banyan, uh, once again, not affiliated with either Digit or Wise Banyan, <laughs> but um, I actually started trying Wise Banyan as far as a way to like automatically get that in there because then you're automatically investing. It's the same kind of concept, only uh, the returns have, have a better potential. But I do think it's important to 
pay attention to that kind of stuff and set up some of these systems that can help you move toward better wealth and uh, really thinking about your money decisions. So that's a huge point is that the most successful people with money that I've seen, it's not that they have more discipline, it's that they just recognize they have this big aha that, hey, guess what? I just figured out something cool. Automate it right away. Stop right then. Find a way to automate it. So every time those conditions exist again, you automatically capture it and do that over and over again. And it's it is it's amazing for them. I'll give you another idea that I saw when I was a financial planner, and that is uh, leveling out your utilities. And this is an easy one. A lot of people have done this, but if you use the the problem in a lot of budgets isn't that you can't budget, it's surprises, right? So for a lot of people, they'll spend a lot of money one month on something and very little money the next. And it's those ups and downs that really are the big problem for people because, you know, something comes out of the blue, you didn't expect it. Like when my kids were at home, Miranda, you have a son, birthday parties kill me, right? Because my son gets invited to a birthday party. Right. We're buying a <laughs> We're buying a present for this thing. I didn't expect any of it. I have to send him with a little money. Like that crushes my budget. So if I can make sure that I have a level amount for as many things as possible, it makes it easy. So things like things like utilities, I can have a level budget for that. I want to sign up for those things. The utility bill being level by contacting your utility company, and they have a different name for it, you know, whatever your utility company is, just ask them for the plan that levels it out. It doesn't end up saving you money. It actually, in a lot of cases, ends up costing you a little more money. However, because it's the same every month, we're able to spend money you know, on other things and we don't break the bank. Yeah, and we've seen the stats that say that you know most Americans couldn't come up with 400 bucks if they needed to in an emergency, right? right? We've seen, we've right. seen those, those reports, we've seen those surveys, and that is the thing is this it's not the big stuff that you can plan for or the regular like, Oh, well I know I'm going to pay this much in insurance every month. You know, that's coming. It's that it's those little things that just like kind of (laughs) the death by a thousand paper cuts and, (laughs) and being ready for that sort of stuff or having, I mean, and that's, you know, that's why I've set up, you know, I have my different funds or my travel fund or, or whatever I have these other things that if I really have to, I can get into them and say, okay, this is something I can do for something unexpected. Yes. Here's another thing. Like on my birthday, uh, the car insurance, you know, smoke alarms, car insurance, right? I do those two things. The other thing that I do this time of year is I will jump on my tax accounting software if I do it myself, or I will contact the person that does my taxes for me if it's a little more complicated. And I'll try to run an estimate of how much am I going to owe? Now, my person does my taxes, does that at no charge as a thank you for giving them my business. My taxes are a little complicated, but we do a very simple thing now so that when April comes around, I'm not screwed by, because I had this happen once. I owed a bunch of money. I didn't expect it. And then at the last minute, I find out what the number is and you're caught trying to figure out how to pay this monster tax bill. So I like doing an estimate today of, and what's cool is your tax software will do that. Uh, Most of the tax software programs out there will help you run an estimate today so that you're not blindsided. Just another system that wealthy people use ahead of time so that, you know, now between now and April 15th, you can start planning around what that tax bill is going to be. 
Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing that you point out. A lot of people think about millionaires and think about, oh, they're always investing, they're making these choices. But they don't stop and think about how many of them are in like year round tax planning mode. Right. They always, and you know, my accountant talks to me too about like what I need to do this coming tax year. And I'm not a millionaire yet. But, um, but no, I mean, so that's, that's something to think about as well is, you know, your taxes, what's going to affect. And it's really hard right now, this current climate, as of the recording of this episode, the big grand tax plan that they're going to try and push through by the end of the year has not been revealed. And so it can be kind of hard to plan your taxes around that when we're in an environment of political upheaval. But it is important to pay attention and stay on top of that. Well, yeah. And even if the tax law changes, I used to tell my clients that would always worry about that stuff. At the least, let's plan for it to stay the same, right? Because right. if I'm way behind now, the tax change probably isn't going to save me. And if I'm waiting for the government to help me change my the fact that I'm way behind on my taxes, <laughs> I'm probably doing something wrong anyway. <laughs> so I want to know how it is now, and then I'll shift with the changes later, and it's not going to be as difficult. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, I think we're just about out of time, Joe. Say it ain't so. It's so, and we're just going to talk to you again tomorrow. So... <laughs> No, but seriously, go ahead and just real quick, let us know um, about this course that you've got coming out and where readers can find it. Yeah, it starts off. And by the way, thank you for letting me do this. And I hope people got you know some cool apps to use and also some ideas of these systems. But when I was a financial planner, I wrote down a list of all the ways in people's budget that they can save money, all the little things, the things we don't care about where you can save uh, maybe it's sometimes $5, maybe it's hundreds or thousands of dollars. So everything from having a debt strategy through your insurances, your cell phone plan, your tax refund, your level. You know, it's funny, Miranda, most of these things people have heard. What our course does, which is called the Millionaire Money Management System, because I saw millionaires using this type of system, is we do a lesson. It's a lesson of stuff that you probably know, right? We stop at the end of the lesson and then we have you fix those things. So we automate it just like a millionaire would. They take just a second. They figure out, oh, I saved X amount of money. Then they capture it. Then they move on to the next thing. So we go through every single one of those in a series of lessons, stopping, help you automate it. Then we go on to the next one, stop, help you automate it. So the thing that I'm impressed about by the course that I don't see elsewhere is we go through all of them. Like, you know, all the things that, you know, I knew them when I was a financial planner until I actually wrote them down in one place. I was not capturing all of them. I hate to tell this, my past clients this when I was a planner, but I wouldn't capture them all. I finally created a, uh, created at the time, I'm an old guy, a laminated sheet then where I had every single little tip and we've taken all those tips and put them in this course. So it's called the Millionaire Money Management System. It's at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash find Ben, F-I-N-D-B-E-N, all scrunched together, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash find Ben if people want to know more. All right, let's go ahead and let Doug and Linda into the room. Linda, welcome to the room. How are things going for you? Things are awesome. I'm back in the desert after a summer's travel, and we're under 100 degrees now, finally, in November. So that's good. <laughs> that's always nice. Always a good thing. Okay. And what about Doug? How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I was uh, away for a little bit. I missed you guys, but it was all for a good thing. My wife and I went to France to watch my daughter have a French ceremony because she got married here in Israel like a month or two ago. But apparently in France, they don't really accept the marriage that we did here. And the family wanted to have a party there. But hey, Paris was a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. That's so great. And I was just going to say, you know, Joe and I were just at FinCon. It was really kind of fun because there were people that actually come over from Israel and join us for FinCon. And so you might want to think about that one day, Doug. I am thinking. I am thinking. And we can't wait to hear your podcast, too, on FinCon. Because, you know, since you and Joe were there, Doug and I haven't heard it. So we're looking forward to it. All we did was talk poorly about you. That's I know. I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well, and I recorded our own podcast. Yeah, we're going to retaliate. <laughs> it was really good. We had Jim Wang on from Wild Hacks, and we talked about poor investments. But today, it's all about the good investments, the investments that will help you become a millionaire. And so I would thought that I would talk to you first, Linda. What do you say about, you know, I mean, Joe has this course out. They're going to be talking about, like, how you can become a millionaire. What are some of the habits, Linda? Because you are a millionaire. You were a millionaire by the age of 40. What are some of the habits that you used and some of the tactics that you used to get there? Well, that was the day before we had a lot of fancy things that we have now that can help people. But my situation was very basic. I mean, extremely basic. I, of course, call it the six steps to wealth, but that's uh, basically starting with saving money and then investing money. And I think sometimes the financial world gets really focused on saving and not spending and being really frugal, but they forget the investing part. And the investing part to me, that's what made the difference in my life. And that's where I think people need to learn more, spend more of their time and focus is learning about how to invest and getting those higher compounding rates that really are going to build wealth for people. I'm glad. I'm actually glad you brought that up, Linda, because I also want to draw a distinction. I don't think that anything that Miranda and I talked about will make you a millionaire. I think that you're spot on that if you can automate these little things in your life, then you can focus on what really is important. Because as an example, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey didn't become Dave Ramsey by doing the little savings things out there. He does all those little saving things and he tells people to be responsible with money, but he became a bajillionaire, I think is the appropriate term by creating an empire. But I think, um, you know, you see these people that win the lottery and they blow all the money, right? The key, exactly. the, the key is if you have great habits with these little things and you make it automatic, then focusing on what's important uh, is, is the big way to get there. Well, absolutely. And I'm sure, I mean, you are up to speed on all of these apps and amazing tools that people have. And I know that whatever you're pointing out to people is going to be super important and advantageous. And I think the savings piece is is where people have to start. And then from there, they can invest, but they have to get that capital right in order to be able to invest and build their wealth. So that's a super important step is getting the savings. I'm just saying, sometimes there's a focus on that's the only thing to do. And it, it has to be step one, and then go from there into investing. Yeah, I think that makes a really good point. You know, we can't expect that just savings is going to lead to being a millionaire. I mean, they they talk about, oh, hey, you know, there's that thing a few months ago, hey, the reason millennials can't buy a home is because they're having avocado toast. No, that's not why. <laughs> uh, let's be <laughs> honest, you know, a little avocado toast or your latte every now and again isn't what's going to keep you from being a millionaire. You really do need to take these proactive steps. Uh, what about you, Doug? What are some of the things that you are planning to do or, or the strategies that you look forward to using in order to become a millionaire? Wait, hold on one second. Let me just swallow my avocado toast. <clears throat> Okay. First off, I think we spoke about it when we spoke about the avocado toast thing, that I'm not 100% in agreement with you. I don't mind spending money on stuff, but the way that we do it, personally, is the way that my wife and I do it, is that we set a specific amount of money that we want to save every year, 
And every year we increase it. And we're, we are vigorous about that saving. I actually think that one of the mistakes people make is they believe that they can that they can just build wealth if they're really smart investors. And I know that we like talking about being a smart investor. But at, at the beginning of the day, not at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, it's, it's all going to be about how much money you can not spend today, but get into savings so you can actually build it up. So whether it comes from not buying an avocado toast or just really working hard and trying to save huge amounts of money, that to me seems like the first step. Focus number one on paying yourself, getting money into your savings. That makes sense too. I mean, I mean, there are just a lot of bits and pieces to this and, and the idea of any one thing being like the magic solution, right? Like there's no one thing that is going to magically make you a millionaire. Well, unless you win the lottery, but. Well, and the frustrating thing that I, that I ran into as a financial planner was doing what Doug said is where's that money going to come from, right? You know, and I, I can't tell you the number of people I'd meet with and they're like, well, you can't bleed a stone. I mean, if I heard that line <laughs> one more time. <laughs> well, your point, Joe, was good. When you were talking with Miranda earlier, it was about finding ways of, you know, here and there of saving and cutting a bill here and there. I think all that's good. I think that's the avocado toast model. Yeah, but to your point then, automating it to get it saved is really the, the step. Don't just identify it, get it saved. That's right. The automation is super important because the more that we don't have to think about saving and the more it can happen automatically for us, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about this stuff and, and really the real key here for many people is time, right? It's it's all about time in the market. It's all about the, the power of compounding returns. That means the earlier you start, the better. So what are some of the things that you can do to maybe let people know as they're growing up? I mean, my son, I have an IRA for him. And when he does work for my business, it goes in there. Also, just at FinCon, I, I got a bunch of stock from Stockpile. and We're going to give that a try and see how that works in terms of teaching him the importance of investing and how investing can help. And, you know, and he just today's his birthday. Happy birthday to my son who just turns 15. So that's something, you know, that we can do to teach them. And Doug, your daughter just got married. I mean, what are some things, what are some tools uh, to help somebody like just starting out in life that way, get on the right track and provide, you know, a future? Uh, first of all, let me say happy birthday to Gavin. I'm so excited. You're probably listening to the show. Like I bet you listen to every episode of your mom on Money Tree podcast. So uh, should we all sing to him? <laughs> right, let's next. not let's not <laughs> listen my voice is so bad when when i go to karaoke they ask me to lip sync so you're not gonna hear me sing <laughs> oh, that's good uh listen my daughter the way it works in our house is we have for decades been keeping track of all of our spending on quicken and now that she and her husband are beginning their life together it was so kind of them they sat me down and said so can you tell us things we need to know about investing and handling money. So I was very happy to, to talk to them. But when, when push comes to shove and my daughter set up her own accounts on Quicken and kind of get started to enter all the data, she had a lot of questions. And one of the things that was, for me, a big revelation is a lot of times as a financial advisor, I just tell people, because I, I don't do budgeting with clients, which I know, Joe, is a really important thing. But a lot of times I'll just tell people, it's really important to make sure that you don't spend more than you earn and that you're saving. And I discuss it a little bit more theoretically because that's the space that I'm in. But you have to realize that nuts and bolts is actually not as easy as we all say. And finding tools like the apps that you were mentioning before can be so helpful. But you actually have to spend a little time to sit down and, and practice with, if you're using Quicken or if you make your own spreadsheets or whatever you do, you really have to invest the time in the beginning 
to make sure you're good with the systems because if a if you're not good with it it's not going to help you and b if it's difficult and it's you know your bank statement doesn't match with what you think you're supposed to have and you get frustrated you're going to get frustrated and stop doing it so i strongly encourage people early on to really try to develop the skills and the habits of just keeping track of their money. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, building those habits is a huge deal and getting into those habits could take a lot of time. And it, that is more important than just like, well, you know, how, what are we doing with the money? How are we spending the money? Yeah. So what about you, Joe? I mean, you, you have twins. You had to put them through, you had to put them through college and all of this, um, all of this stuff. I mean, how did you, what tools did you outfit them with to learn about investing and learn about money? You know, the big thing more than tools, and I love tools, was just having a conversation. When they, my daughter just got her first job out of college, we talked about how she was going to have something that, and I think everybody remembers this, right? You get out of college, you get those first paychecks, It maybe it has a comma in it, right? In, in this number that you're getting paid, and you think that is just a, a number beyond belief, and what do you do? You start getting yourself into a lot of debt, so... Uh, we started off with a conversation about how to do what Doug pointed out earlier, how to make sure you pay yourself first and save money into two places. She started off saving into a cash reserve and saving for retirement. And then we looked through her benefits package to make sure that the benefits that she got at work that are free, often people don't even look at these benefits at work and the things that they get there for you know some of the savings that, that we don't know about. Sure enough, she could join Costco for free when we looked at it. She also had an employee stock purchase program where she got stock at a 10% discount. So she took advantage of those things also. And then we set up a couple apps. She set up her own clarity money like you and I talked about earlier. And then she set up an app called Tip Yourself, where every time you do something cool, you give yourself a tip. You know how you tip a waiter at a restaurant? Well, with Tip Yourself, whenever you do something yourself, like go on a five-mile run, you give yourself a little tip and you hide money and that become became her vacation fund. So that was her strategy to start with. Yeah, and I think that makes you know a lot of sense of having these strategies, having these apps that help you make the most of your money. Um, Doug, have you seen any apps that can really help you make the most of your money as you move forward? So just in order to keep track of things on the computer, we I mentioned we use Quicken, which also has an iPhone app, I know. But I also use an app called Biz Expense Tracker, which I splurged and bought the pay version. As an aside, I just want to comment in the conversation you guys had before, <laughs> you were talking about buying a couch. You know, yeah. There's nothing wrong with paying a little bit for an app. First of all, someone worked really hard to build it, so he probably deserves to get the money for it. But secondly, if you're getting a service from something, with all due respect to getting everything for free, it's okay to pay for services. So I'm a big fan of actually you know, buying things that help you. This program called Biz Expense Tracker is really easy to use, and every purchase I make, I used to just keep a receipt, and I would put it in my shirt pocket, but then I went goofy and kind of nerdy because I had all these receipts sticking out of my shirt pocket. And then we would enter them in Quicken at the end of the week. Now I just enter it into this, and at the end of the month, it creates a report that we just put right in, right into our overall system, and it's great. Yeah, that's really cool. What about you, Linda? What are some of your favorite apps or strategies that you use to like kind of automate your finances or build on that wealth that you already have? Well, first, I want to commend Joe for sitting down with his daughter because that is super important to sit down with your kids, go through their benefits, and make sure that they're contributing to their 401k immediately, getting all the, you know, free money that they can from that matching and uh, and all the other benefits. So good dad there, Joe, Thank you. of course. So I'm going to bring up one that is something classic. How's that? 
<laughs> this goes way back on Wall Street, and it's simply dollar cost averaging, which is taking money out of your paycheck automatically or out of your bank account, rather, and uh, having it go into the stock market. So you could pick something at your brokerage account, an ETF or something, a mutual fund, perhaps. A lot of times it's mutual funds. It depends on the brokerage account if they're going to let you go into an ETF, I think. But most of them will let you go into mutual funds still. And just for $25 a month, it is one of the best things you can do is to do that so that you can access the possibility of higher compounding through the stock market. And yes, we're going to have downtimes and you know, we're going to have some big drops in the market and we're going to have times when the market's going up like crazy. And over time, you're going to average it out and you'll probably find that your average cost is less over time. And so it's a good deal for people. It takes the emotion out of investing and it's just a really good habit to start at a very young age. Yeah. And I think that that's key right there is that starting at a very young age. So what can you do though, if you're not at a very young age right now, you know, so, so what are some of the things that you can do to kind of play catch up a little bit? Let's start with you again, Linda. If somebody is a little bit behind, maybe they're not at that young age, what are some things that they can do to sort of move forward a little bit and catch up as they can? Sure. Well, I think Warren Buffett said the best time to invest was 10 years ago and the second best time to invest is today. So if you haven't started or you're late getting started, then you definitely want to start immediately. And you're going to have to try to come up with some extra savings to put into that. So that might mean selling off some things. It might mean getting an extra job or starting a business as a side hustle to generate more income. But thinking of ways that you can generate more money to put into to this account and make up for some of that time that has gone by. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and you've seen those calculators. The longer you wait to start, the more you have to put in to catch up. What about you, Doug? What kind of strategies and ideas do you have for somebody who maybe isn't super young or has waited a little bit longer than they expected to get started with building this wealth? You know, I saw a study not so long ago that said that wealthy people spend about 60% of what wealthy people spend is on kind of discretionary stuff. And for not wealthy people, it's about 40%. What that suggests to me is that people, even who don't have a lot of money, about 40% of what they're spending is on stuff that's discretionary. So you get to make the decision. If you, no, no matter how wealthy you are, odds are that you have a big chunk of your budget that is actually buying stuff that you don't really need. And another study showed that at about, about a year after people buy stuff, about 80% of the stuff they buy, they have buyer's remorse for. So people are going out and spending money that they do have to buy stuff that in about a year they probably won't even want and will wish that they didn't buy. If you can see this, then you can make the decision and say, you know something, all of this discretionary spending I'm going to stop doing and I'm going to put that money into some sort of fund or investment. And, I'll, you know, and that's a lot of money you can be putting away if you can get up to 40% of your spending. Yeah, I just find it, you know, I mean, everybody like wants this like magic solution. But the bottom line is, is like, there is no way to make up for that lost time in the market other than like really buckling down and like having to pay extra. Um, but, that does so, a, but, but, but for a lot of people, Miranda, that freezes them. You know, they're like, oh, I lost so much yeah. time, like for older people. And if somebody's older and they're listening, what's that thing? The right time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. And if you can't do that, do it now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And the same thing, you know, Linda was saying about Warren Buffett. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean there's no hope. It just means that, you know, you might have to make a few more changes, make a few more tweaks and find other ways to make up for it. But you still definitely should get moving and, and get started. 
Okay, so <laughs> I think that about does it for time. Let's go ahead and see what is happening in everybody's neighborhood. Uh, hey, Doug, why don't you tell us what's going on at richasaking.com? Well, you know, my last name is Goldstein. So one of the things I like to talk about is gold. But interestingly, I've never been a big fan of investing in gold. Nonetheless, I wanted to talk about it on the Rich as a King podcast. So episode 149 is called What is the Truth About Investing in Gold, which you can find at richasaking.com. Just click on the podcasts button. Yep. Okay, great. And what about you, Linda? What's happening over at Be Wealthy and Smart? Well, I just did a podcast about financial scams. There's some scams that are going around. I got an email scam offer that was very interesting. So I wanted to highlight a couple of things I've been hearing that are out there and just give people a caution to watch out for those. And they can find them at lindapjones.com or on the Be Wealthy and Smart podcast. All right, great. And let's move it over to you, Joe. Tell us one more time a little bit about your course and where they can get that. Yeah, thanks. If you want to automate uh, a lot of these little decisions in your life and have a place where you get them all and then you stop and we help you take each of them and slide the money into a place where you can capture that automation, it's uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash find Ben. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash find Ben. Thanks, guys, for taking an episode to talk about this because it's it was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.